And you mean you bring me 50 eggs a day? Mm -hmm. And I can come and visit Babs and Cotton and Crackers. And you'll buy me new girdle and bra and pretty under things. Yes, Eddie. Yes, yes, yes. I'll make you the happiest egg lady ever. Don't you worry about that. And right after the party's over, you and I are going to take our first little trip together. I'm going to take you to the largest poultry factory on the East Coast. And then you can eat and eat and eat all the eggs you ever want. A hundred eggs a day? You mean I can eat a hundred eggs? A thousand if you want them. Episode 94 of the Cult Matt Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And make sure to hit our blog at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com or shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. Show news? Any show news this week? Well, uh, there was a new Hardcore History release this week. Did you happen to listen to it? I just I just uh, downloaded it. It's about World War II. Or about World, World War One. And uh, actually, it's funny that, uh, what's his name, I forget, recommended a book on Audible, and I actually took him up on the offer and signed up for Audible this week and downloaded the World War I book that he recommended. And I've been listening to it, and it's been great. But so much, so much I don't know about World War I. It's absolutely fascinating. So podcast advertising does work. Uh, that's why I have a line of sex toys coming out that I would like all of our listeners to head over to uh, dot com. <laughs> It it does work. What you have to do is every three months make an incredibly highly produced, wonderfully written three-hour podcast about history. <laughs> That's all it takes. You mean these one these these uh, once a week unscripted dick uh, jokeathons aren't aren't the way aren't aren't paving uh, our road to success the way I thought they would? Uh no. <laughs> oh well, I guess that's why you hear no advertising on our podcast. It's free to the listeners. Oh, without... I thought it was our high morals. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, okay, so this week, speaking of dick jokes, Pink Flamingos, the John Waters cult classic, released in 1972. Uh, let me get to the summary here. I don't really know if this film is even worthy of a summary. But it's not worth. Is it even worthy of a podcast? I don't know. Not really. But that's my opinion. We'll get into that in a second. Okay. Sleaze Queen Divine lives in a caravan. I guess this is written by somebody in the UK because a caravan is a trailer. But uh, Sleaze Queen Divine lives in a trailer with her mad hippie son Crackers and her two hundred and fifty pound mother Mama Eddie, trying to rest quietly on their laurels as the filthiest people alive. But competition is brewing in the form of Connie and Raymond Marble, who sell heroin to school children and kidnap and impregnate female hitchhikers, selling the babies to uh, selling the babies to lesbian couples. Finally they challenge Divine directly and the battle commences. Enough said really on that one. That's pretty much uh, the plot, yeah, it's about it's about the battle. Well it's not really it's not so much a battle, it's about the um the marbles inability to accept that divine is is a dirtier person than they are wow i know that must be hard to live with <laughs> it is all right so so i you know, okay so i was watching this this movie is is really wretched uh i i i watched it and i was thinking how this okay the 40 is film well, hold is 40 it. Years what, what did rose think of it rose didn't watch it 
I wouldn't. Why would I subject her to such such unwatchable crap as to make her watch Pink Flamingos? No, we didn't watch it together. I watched it with Jean. You did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she was Jean. not too impressed by it necessarily. I wasn't too impressed. <laughs> it had, by it. had some funny moments. It was overly long, but there was there were some there were some moments in there. There was a few. So I was thinking how this has been basically usurped by the internet. This kind of geek show. Yeah, cinematic right. geek show. Yeah, uh, what you get in here is like basically a strung together uh, cl- YouTube clip of just disgustingness and uh, I don't know, quasi pornographic or well, pseudo- stuff you, do, you wouldn't nonsense. see on YouTube. You see it on a little darker sites. I'm trying to remember some of their names. Like, well, Rotten used to have stuff like this. I don't know if they're still around. LiveLeak.com. Yeah, like, yeah, live. They, they have like auto accidents and stuff. Yeah, they probably have stuff like this on there. Yeah, yeah, they have like you know, kind of down and dirty Russian street fights and uh, I don't know, uh, snuff. It's, it's, it's and, a sort of website that wouldn't mind putting a little bestiality on there every once in a while. Yeah, just some really back alley kind of crap. And so, what John Waters did, and I don't, I was watching this and I was like thinking, what the fuck was his motivation? Why, other than just to put something out there that almost seemed like an inside joke amongst him and his friends that we're somehow privy to and don't get half of it. I got that feeling. I got the feeling that all this, these weird references were living up in a bunch of audacious drag queens' minds when they come up with this really poor, poorly written script and wanted to film it. I'm like, I, I guess that's what this is. I, I, I don't know well, I think, I don't know I what think John Waters, he's sort of a weirdo, and he had a bunch of weirdo friends that sort of had a bohemian lifestyle, and they got together and liked to kick the shit and just be stupid, and then they all together worked out this movie that's basically just a bunch of stupidness, them having fun and goofing off. I mean, you could tell that the whole movie is just a bunch of his friends because everybody looks like they haven't taken a bath for a week and everybody even the cops have enormous lamb chop sideburns yeah and the acting is just incredibly terrible mm-hmm. it's just it's like the the worstly del- worst delivered lines it, it, I think, it really outside is outside of clerks it's Kevin sort of Smith. like a dirtier uh jackass it's a bunch of people getting together just having fun and there's a storyline yeah. and there's weird characters and there's the guy that can prolapse his anus and they just yeah. wanted to put that all in there talk right. about that that surprised me when that guy was prolapsing oh, his anus no, I, 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 that was I, pretty I, amazing i can't i, I was like my- really wow they're really getting they're going all the way that yeah was before I think I the just, incest, incestuous scene <laughs> i just dropped my cell phone to the to the table during that and just waited for it to be over oh like, he didn't music. quite he didn't quite get his colon all the way out it was, yeah, it, I was it was like it was too um, bad. not watching this I, I could i could if i really wanted to watch this i could get on the internet and i could have about a hundred videos of this kind of nonsense you didn't uh, you didn't put this up on your lcd tv while you were uh feeding uh your newborn baby no 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 and i'm not like a conservative evangelical nut job mm-hmm. when it comes to this kind of stuff i just I, there, there is such a thing as taste, and it deviates, or is different than something being offensive. There's tasteful and inoffensive, and they're kind of two things that live on, I guess, two sides of a bridge. Uh, 
offensive. I guess I'm sure 90% of the country would find this film offensive and find this at least something in here that they would be personally offended by. I don't know well, quite offend- what. Well, being but- offended is such a fucking milk toast term. I mean, how about disgusted? I think would be more because you can get offended by anything. You get offended for somebody sneezing on the back of your head. Well, yeah, I, it's, well, it's just offense is such a minor transgression against a person. It's what I mean. This is this is does more to ninety percent of the population than just a paltry offense. There's something more to well, disgust them. Yeah, and this movie succeeded in disgusting me. Yeah, uh, it was pretty impressive. And it's lovely I, I, disgusting this. But it doesn't I can I know how I can be disgusted and I don't go out and pursue media that will disgust me because I'm not thirteen years old. That's that's not what I you don't, that's not you what don't I'm watch into videos anymore. of gory crashes in Thailand every once in a while on the internet? Uh occasionally, but I, I do it with sort of a morbid fascination more than mm-hmm. a need to be grossed out. I, I can you well, know isn't that sort of what this is? It's sort of a the fascination this is the you said the the term geek show and that's sort of what this movie is especially given well, its time pre-internet this was probably a pretty profound something to, pretty profoundly to watch when you couldn't get on your iphone any minute of the day and see some guy's head some guy get run over by a tank you know what i mean yeah no i know what you mean i guess it served that sort of purpose where you don't have normal outlets like the internet's a 24 7 geek show where you can see uh, every one of these stunts that John Waters uh, films in repetition as much as you want, as long mm-hmm. as you want. And you can go to the very end of, like, you'll find the most disgusting version of that out there. If you want to see a guy prolapse his rectum, you you probably got thousands of videos to choose from, mm-hmm. and you could even find the most disgusting of those mm-hmm. to go mm-hmm. ahead and watch over and over again for whatever reason you want. You want to yeah. see somebody eat dog shit? I'm sure there's a ton of videos out there. I see it every what day. What kind of animal shit do you want? We got cats. We got chickens. <laughs> I, I get that every day when, when I see our dachshund go out there, uh-huh. and before I can grab him, eat his own shit. And that's so, completely disgusting. And there's, you know, I get that. It's not a human being. It's a it's dog, but it's still equally disgusting. Well, then, so. so the the existence of the internet and its ability to, you know, go down any path of the absurd and the geek that you want to see. If if the internet never really arose for whatever reason, let's say we they had some engineering struggles with, you know, silicon microprocessors or whatever, it never really got moving, and we still lived in a day where if you wanted to see this geeky stuff, you had to go to the bohemian side of town and go to the freak movie show where they would show this movie a couple times a year and see it. It'd have a lot more power this day than it does now. It was sort of undercut. It's been undercut and been made sort of pointless by the rise of the internet. Don't you think? Right. Well, and I guess it's not timeless. This movie is completely not timeless. It's no, dated. You're it's right. extremely dated and uh, well-trod. The, re- the whole point of this movie is basically disappeared it's no longer needed correct yeah so it leaves me to the point of of this podcast yeah. where what the hell are we going to talk about when uh vulgar displays of filth which is really the whole point of this movie because mm-hmm. that's who divine is is the filthiest person on earth so it's not really meant to be funny either it's no. funny at times but a lot of times it's just like 
like the part where the simulated sex scene where they literally wring the necks of two chickens, two live chickens are killed right in front of us on yeah. the screen. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I, 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 Especially when they show the character later sleeping next to the dead chickens right on top of them. Now, that's pretty shocking. I was well, pretty shocked by that. I was like, it's wow, not, really it's weird. not as if, well, right. The movie is, is, is not, I guess, dated in the aspect that the stunts or the disgusting displays, excuse me, aren't still disgusting. Oh, they are, you know, the, the whole Edie egg thing that you played in the beginning. Yeah. Was, I found that the most disgusting part of the film. Oh, that the, the fat, fat lady in the playpen eating eggs. Did you find the romance with the egg man uh, sort of touching? It was all disgusting. That character, the egg man, was disgusting. Edie was disgusting. Uh-huh. Her eating eggs is, I guess that's, I, I, John Waters found my button and just decided, <laughs> oh, I'm going to push that thing until, I'm going to push that thing until even the person who is initially not sick of it will be sick of it by the time this movie is over. But how about and, that uh, uh, case uh, full of a display case of eggs that the egg man had? That was pretty It's impressive. just all, like, I don't know. I like, I enjoy eggs. I like scrambled eggs. I like a hard-boiled egg. Uh-huh. But, like, the whole Cool Hand Luke scene is so gross. I, it's one mo- reason I can't watch that movie much. Mm. The, the, the egg and volume idea, like, consuming <laughs> that much fucking protein it just makes me sick i yeah. I, I it's right up there with why. the uh, hot dog competition eating yeah I they think had a lot of hot dogs. dogs in this movie too it was hot dogs and eggs oh two of the grossest foods if you think about them too much well eggs are pretty gross and i guess maybe that's what that little clip or that 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 meme in the film uh grossed me out thinking about what an egg is and why i eat them and when you eat them in vol- volume and there's some big fat woman mm. in a child's playpen disgustingly disgustingly is that a word disgustingly eating fucking handfuls of hard-boiled eggs it just mm. makes me want to puke just just puke you didn't I, like it I, when she was that, sitting there asleeping with scrambled eggs all over her chest all over uh, her that that was the grossest part divine eating dog shit at the end really? not even oh i could that that one really made me want to hurl uh the prolapsed rectum not even that was close sort of funny because wow. it was it was sort of it was he was op- gaping his asshole in time with the music that was playing you know there was actually some pretty good music in this movie i i it was overshadowed was good yeah yeah got overshadowed it's sort of a shame you could tell that maybe a lot of the people he hung out with with were musicians because there was some really good sort of bluegrassy stuff um yeah yeah and there was the whole uh divine hiding the big steak in her crotch maneuver yeah fucking a man i i i yeah i guess we could go through just everything that was disgusting about this movie we've hit most of it already you know one one character that i'm a little confused about is cotton she's sort of Uh, divine's buddy yeah but she she pulls plays a weird role in this film i'm not sure what she's there for i don't think Uh, she's there for any particular reason at all She's there, I guess, to complete the horror show of the family. You, you know? need a pretty one? I guess. It's sort of like uh, a thousand, a House of a Thousand Corpses. Everybody was disgusting, but there was that one sort of hot but crazy daughter. Well, you know, group. that's what this – you mentioned that now, and then I think of it. This, how, this house, this uh, film is kind of a predecessor 
to Rob Zombie's, uh, what is it, The uh, Devil's Rejects. Yeah, that, it, that it, family. It has kind of that that echo to it. And I don't know if Rob was a big fan of, you know, John I'm pr- Waters. I'm pretty that. sure. I'm pretty sure he's a big fan. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if there's anybody that likes to be grossed out by cinema, it would probably be Rob Zombie. Uh, but sort of the components of the family, like you said, Cotton kind of uh, mimics or that character Rob Zombie's kind of mimics the Cotton character. Uh, you have uh, kind of the the, the Harlequin, <laughs> Captain Spaulding, I guess, in The Devil's Rejects here, it's divine. You know, where do you have more <laughs> or less? Right. A- That's interesting. Captain Spaulding's eye makeup is very much like Divine's. I guess they were both sort of cued on clowns. So Right. So you kind of have a patriarchal. Because uh, matri- I'd say matriarchal, but divine is is, is not a female. Who's crackers uh, pat- then? Uh, crackers? Are, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. It's not. There's no direct uh, correlation. But boy, it's a weird family, isn't it? It's it's as weird of a family as I've seen since uh, I guess Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I've seen once, and The Devil's Rejects by Rob Zombie. But uh, I, I watched The Devil's Rejects again. Uh, about a year ago because I was thinking about doing it for the podcast and I wanted to take a look at it because I couldn't quite remember if I liked it or not and I ended up not liking it because I really I don't know it's beautifully filmed but and it's got some wonderful scenes but in the end you just fucking hate that family and that movie <laughs> tries so hard to make you empathize with that they're crazy that they can't fit into society and we need to pity them because of that but they're just such bastards that even at the end, I, I couldn't feel anything for them when they were killed. Tootie fucking fruity. Tootie fucking fruity. That's all I remember from The Devil's Rejects. Is I guess Cap I like, on- I gotta say I like House of a Thousand Corpses better, I think. And that's maybe one I might do with the podcast at some point. Of those two yeah, it had, those characters. It, it had some nice, I guess, classic horror film uh, set pieces, you know, that, that, that The Devil's rejects didn't really have it was more uh i guess of a complete horror movie with more horror in it uh, mm-hmm. less absurdity devil's rejects is more of an absurd movie uh with, well it's more of a character study yeah i think rob zombie wanted to try to make likable horrific characters he wanted and to try and i guess he he does to a certain sense at least he did to some degree on the first viewing but the second viewing it didn't work for me so you know that leads me to one thing about in a way I do sort of feel for like Babs and Cotton and Edith and Crackers because they're not really evil people. They're just fucking disgusting. I mean, well, sure. they're not really at their cores really evil. So you know, really the only really thing this movie made me think about is the play between the Marbles and, uh, and Divine's family is that they're both trying to be filthy, as they say, the, the, the filthiest people in the world. But really there are two kinds of filth. They're not really comparable. They're both filthy and dirty and terrible. Well, what's okay? What does filthy mean? Filthy to me means somebody who doesn't bathe, mm-hmm. who's depraved, mm-hmm. uh, smells. I, that's not what this is. This is no, no, this no, is, no. I think that's real. That is that. I think that defines the the Babs and Cotton, Edith and Crackers. They really are filthy in that sense. Well, they live in a trailer park. Mm-hmm. They're uh, Crackers lives in the chicken coop. Yeah, I know. And I'm pretty sure he likes to fuck chickens. Well, <sighs> the thing is, what I, the point I want to make is the marbles aren't filthy. They're actually, Mrs. Marbles especially, is rather very careful about her clothing and the condition of her house. They're evil. 
Yeah. The problem is that I think the main problem with the movie is that and it, it's, and it's, I think it's intentional is that the marbles aren't filthy. The marbles are just evil. The yeah, fact- there's nothing really filthy about them other than that they keep a very disgusting dungeon for well, their hitchhiker victims. Yeah, I mean that's not that's that's just they're just evil. Everything they do is really evilness. They're self-serving bastards. And well, Divine certainly is self-serving in a lot of ways. She really is more about debauchery than anything else. And sure, they kill some cops and eat them. Right? <laughs> sure, they murder the marbles with the media present. But that's just yeah. part of their not conforming to any sort of normal rules or morals but they do but they do have some cores that i think we share with them like when they find the the women in the basement of the marbles place they free them and when they decide that um channing needs punishment they let the girls punish him in sort of a natural law sense in a yeah, way they're, they're a lot more moral something. and we can really identify more now they're disgusting and the idea of frying up some meat that a crossdresser had between their fat thighs for the all afternoon while they walked around took pisses on people's yards doesn't sound tasty or appetizing <laughs> the fact is they do have a certain humanity to them which we can identify with you don't really hate divine and you don't really hate crackers though i don't really like how he treats chickens and Eve is just retarded. And Cotton, I don't know. I, I can't figure out what Cotton's deal is. Yeah. So in a way, we do care for them. We do identify with them. And we do think that the Marbles are bad people. Well, okay. I I, get, I don't know if the movie is as deep as all that. I, I have... I don't see why it wouldn't be. I mean, shit. I mean, I'm sure they were... I mean, the, it's not... If they, if they wanted filthy versus filthy, it wouldn't have been as interesting. They had to have filthy versus evil. That's the core, the core <laughs> conflict in this movie. It's a classic, you know. Moby Dick's about that. <laughs> Filthy versus evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Captain Ahab. He was like eating whale shit at the end of uh, the the Moby Dick. I'm pretty. Yeah, sure. he would shit right over the side of the deck. There was a whole chapter about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, I okay. So the other thing I was I, I was contemplating while watching uh, Pink Flamingos is the nature of art. And I'll, I'll say flat out, there's really nothing about this movie I enjoyed. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't relate to any characters. Didn't like it. Uh, was disgusted by it in places. As was the point of John Waters. The point of making this film was to disgust me. He did. He succeeded. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you tried to, to to talk about some, I guess, connections that that you had a little bit with the the characters and trying to uh, uh, maybe frame their morality a little bit. Uh, this movie just didn't have anything for me, and so and it was disgusting, and I I, I thought it was hard to watch, and um, I wasn't offended by it. I, there wasn't anything in here that I I took like a political issue with. You, you did know. you did you weren't offended by the um, the artificial insemination scene, which I'm pretty sure featured real semen. <laughs> no, I, that, that was one of the more milk toast scenes in the film. In a way, uh, isn't maybe that's a better way to rape that woman. Is it better? Uh, is it rape? That? Yeah, sure, it's rape. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think that's when you touch the, when you touch the swimsuit area of anybody against mm-hmm. their will, that's more or less uh, hmm. sexual assault. Or uh, yeah, it'd be interesting anyway. how it played out in a courtroom. Well, anyways, I don't, I don't think uh, I don't think the court would have looked kindly on Channing. <laughs> so, you know, I was trying to think about art, the nature of art, 
And uh, this is obviously art in some form. Uh, it's art that I don't care for. Obviously, people enough people did care for this as art. And well, I think this is sort of the art when you think about like fundamentalist Christians and they're worried about the uh, the federal government uh, uh, paying artists to produce art. This is what they think of. They go, oh, these are what all these fucking homosexual <laughs> artists are doing. Right. They're busy eating dog poop. <laughs> and uh, play acting incestuous relationships. Right. And dressing up like women, mm-hmm. uh, clown women. I don't mm-hmm. know what Divine was going for. That was her disguise. Uh, yeah, that was the disguise. Low profile. Um, I, yeah, that, see, but that's kind of on the offensive line of art, finding art offensive, which I didn't find this movie offensive. Uh, I just found it Disgusting. non-evocative. There we go. Uh, yeah. I... I, I other than just to gross me out, I guess it evo- evoked sort of a primal disgust or a. Yeah. I, 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 well, I, I mean, that is evoking something. I know. And, and maybe I it's not as important these days because if you really want that evoked, there's plenty of outlets, like more so than there ever was in the past. But in the sense, it maybe was a little harder of a feeling to obtain in the early 70s. Well, true. Uh, I guess, you know, was this movie influential? There's a good question. I don't know. Uh, People talk about John Waters, and you always see that mustachio son of a bitch on TV talking about stuff. I've never seen any of his movies. Um, in fact, I was, I was sort of... I was wondering if we would have been better served seeing one of his more mainstream films. I saw Crybaby back whenever. That was ages ago. I don't remember much about it. I saw yeah. Pecker. Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, what was it Edward Furlong? Was that Pecker? I, I don't know. I've never seen any John Waters films until I saw this one today. Um, Pecker was sort of a toned down, you know, kind of had the same homoerotic sensibilities that uh, I guess influence all John Waters stuff. Uh, it just seemed gaggy. It had a lot of gags, uh, a lot of you know, kind of. Uh, I guess homosexual gags. Like there was a whole thing about teabagging in uh, mm. Pecker. That's very surprising. Uh, you know, old queen humor, whatever. It it just wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, I didn't get much out of it. So I, I there's I guess a subculture that John Waters caters to, who relish and love this kind of audacity. Uh, yeah, I want. I just wonder. I guess you know, I'm not really Mr. Mainstream Society. I don't really feel like I get along with all the straight type A's out there in the world, but I'm not this far gone. I'm no, not, I'm not into the Jim Rose sideshow sort of lifestyle. I'm not all tatted up. You know, I don't like putting meat hooks in my back and hanging upside down until, you know, I can't feel my tip of my penis any longer or yeah. whatever people do. I, I don't know. Like thrill Olympics don't seem to be where I need to go with life. I, 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 I think, it's easy to get bored in our culture. It's easy to get extremely bored in our society. And a lot of times people, like you said, they go down sort of this sensory overload. They need uh, uh, really punch in the face kind of, of I guess, uh, entertainment or media or art or something. They just need something like just to, you know, grab them and punch them. And I don't know where that comes from. You get a little of that in this where it's catering to a certain crowd that really needs to have, you know, 
the callus is scraped off and, and stabbed again. Uh, for me, I, I think there's enough nuance and subtlety in the world that I don't really, I don't need this kind of uh, bombast, if you will. I think it'd be more fun in, if you were in a group, maybe everybody was drunk and everybody was feeling really irreverent where everybody can just sort of hoot and holler at this movie. Right. This is more of a hooting and hollering sort of film. Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, I wonder what it would be like to sit in a dingy old theater in some uh, uh, faded bohemian district of Baltimore with a bunch of old drag queens and watch Pink Flamingos with like some sort of Q&A with John Waters in the front. I mean, would that, would it give me more? That'd make it much better. Yeah, that'd make it a lot better, I think. Because you really could get into the mindset of being a goofball. Well, and I'm wondering if... Yeah, I, I, I like I said, it seems like this is like sort of a big inside joke amongst John Waters' close and personal friends that I didn't really get. Well, I think this movie uh, is just a joke. I don't think it's that complicated. I don't think it's inside. It's just them fucking around. It's just a fuck around. The whole movie. No, just, I, I know what you're saying. Put stupid fucking shit on the screen. I know a guy who does this crazy thing with his asshole. Let's play some <laughs> surf music and film it. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I don't just, think there's anything else to it. I mean, what well, else is there to it? I watched the version, I guess the updated anniversary edition of Pink Flamingos, and uh, John Waters has a little bit of a, he shows some outtakes at the end. Oh, yeah, my uh, DVD had that, but I didn't watch them. And the way that John Waters, I guess, reflects upon Pink Flamingos, you kind of get a little bit more of the mindset at which it was filmed. And he just kind of is able to... uh, give it more context just by him talking about pink flamingos and what context get, does he give well it's just his mindset which you don't really get in in the film you don't have like you have some like really kind of funny drag queen narration there at the beginning that's describing the whole setup of uh you know the filthiest person battle with uh, it sounds like some some other queen that's not no it's divine, divine. does all the voiceovers oh is it divine i'm pretty sure oh, okay and and to me it adds a little bit more sensibility to the film like you can kind of get more of the context of which it was made uh but just kind of have it kind of having it context free or comment free uh didn't i guess didn't complete the experience that i think it needed you know you need you need like a, a narrator you need somebody to hold your hand through this experience a little bit more than was done uh just to to get more out of it but what, know, like what what, what of, more are you going to get out of it other than if you're not in the mindset to just hoot and holler as i said what i mean what is john waters holding your hand other than being i just think fabulous. i would have i think i would have been entertained i flat out wasn't entertained watching it but i would have been more entertained i guess i'd be entertained by divine i i probably would be pretty entertained at her birthday party that we see (laughs) it'd be more fun to be around these crazy people and see them do their stuff than watch a film about these crazy people Uh, yeah yeah i guess i don't know so i didn't like it did you like the movie did you uh, i can't say that i liked it you know in a way i found it entertaining uh, but it was ended up being over long. If it was just a, just a, just supposed to be a riot act, I think he really should have kept it to eighty minutes or something. If it was just going to be jackassy type material, which it was. Uh, well, 
There's there some, was some, some scenes were just way too long. Like when they yeah. were licking all the surfaces in the marbles house before the fellatio scene. That just went on and on and on. It really right. the movie just needed to be edited down if it's supposed to be just a a, a rip and jape the whole thing, which I think it was. Yeah, it that's was, my main purpose. Otherwise, there's a good solid forty minutes of some entertaining bullshit in this film. Forty minutes would have been a very watchable period of time for this because you're right. There's like scenes that go on, especially with Edie and those fucking eggs, which I was just praying. Every time that fat bitch showed up in the movie, just would it just get over it with as quick as possible? Um, but it, it drug out, and it just like you have needless footage of people walking towards the trailer for like you know 10, 15 seconds. Like, did I really need to see the Eggman walk that long to the trailer? So there's, there's some stuff amateur. that should have been cut, like the cop, the cop scene. It was so poorly produced. Like we need some cops to come to bust this party, right? Because the uh, the marbles want to interrupt the birthday party. So like, oh god, we gotta have some friends. So they found their friends that look like total stoner freaks, but they were like the least stoner freaks, and put them in a couple of rented cop outfits. And a couple of guys right. got some suits they bought from their old man and put them on. And then they just had them walking through the woods, and they put like police siren sound over the top of it. And that was the police yeah, right. coming to bust the party. It was so poorly done. Yeah. And uh, I guess uh, I was watching one of those outtake films, and they filmed this in the dead of winter. And so I guess that trailer was freezing. You know? Well, actually, and, during and, the scene that uh, we opened with, with when um, the Eggman uh, uh, you know, lays out his love for Edith, and they're going to elope, um, uh, he, sa- he can see his voice. I mean, you can see his breath. It just yeah. Every time he speaks, there's a huge plume of... of uh, Oh, condensed water that comes out. You can tell it's really uh, cold. Yeah. So you can imagine. Just for some reason, that just made it worse. Which I don't know why. <laughs> well, it probably kept all the mildewy smell down, which maybe oh, was nice. Oh, God. Yeah. This, I guess he, John Waters is sort of a Baltimore fixture, Maryland, which is a state I have no love for. None at all. I've been to Maryland, I don't know how many times. Been to Baltimore. <sighs> There's something completely charmless about that corner of the country. I don't, I've been to Annapolis. Annapolis is a cool little town. But other than that, it's just kind of, so this sort of reminded me a little bit about driving around, I guess, uh, the county of Baltimore on my business trips. And just, I could, I could kind of see behind the woods or the trees, you know, in this film, like some Marriott courtyard I had to stay at you know, or something like that. You know, on some business trip, I just fucking didn't want to go on. And then like, you know, uh, obviously this is pre that, but like Applebee's, you know, where I'd have to sit there and, you know, eat dinner after a fucking horrible day of meetings or something like that, you know. So I just, it brought back like I just even a more, uh, I guess, a personal disgust for <laughs> For pink flamingos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, just like I, fuck Maryland. I man. mean, it fuck was effective. State. It was effectively disgusting. The film. <laughs> uh, you know, I really wonder. I haven't looked at any reviews for this film, but do, do you think anybody could have possibly liked it when it came out? Uh, I think people liked it for obviously the the reverent the, nature had the, the the level of irreverence yeah. that I this mean, film yeah i mean it sort of it sort of does revel in that 
Right. And it, 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 it I guess, uh, you know, puts a thorn in the, in the side of early 70s society. And, you know, that's a time period I'm, you know, I was born in 73. And I'm sure there is a whole bulwark of conservatism that we can't really grasp nowadays that mm-hmm. seems pretty foreign to us. Uh, but, you know, 72 is just two years or three years outside of the 60s. And mm-hmm. the 60s were uh, pretty meat and potatoes time period in America. So this kind of put a shot in the arm, I think, of, uh, you know, kind of contemporary society. And... It didn't seem to work because the 80s were pretty buttoned up. Just say no bullshit. Yeah, no, I know. Well, that's sort of the political, you know, that was the political climate of the time. But uh, I think people just appreciated the audacity of John Waters uh, to put something like this on film. Not necessarily whether it was good art or bad art, Mm -hmm. real good art or bad art, but that just somebody kind of pioneered some level of <laughs> geek show but in that, a way it's uh, it's all bluster and no substance there's nothing that you can really thematically get out of this mm-hmm. film that's the problem with it that's yeah. why i didn't like it because i was yeah. like there's no other level that this film speaks to me that i could even go back and rewatch it mm-hmm. I, I don't there's it's well it's poorly made the acting's terrible uh, I can't relate to the characters. There's nothing here. Yeah, you know, no, other than I, I other won't be than, watching this film again. Yeah, then like you said, sort of a, a jackass, like a, a where you just string together gags and bits uh, for an hour and a half, a merc- merciless half hour and a half, and then that's it. You're done. And uh, you know that kind of seems to be John Waters' stock and trade. I, I don't know if he does anything else other than that which is one of the reasons i don't like john waters i flat i don't like his movies i've seen a few you know few of them outside of this and it's just not something that i care for you know Uh, so he really doesn't have any stunts i mean substance he just likes to dick around on film well maybe that's selling him short maybe there's a whole level of uh stuff here that i can't well look let's go to a review and see a professional's take on this. Maybe they have some more stuff. Ebert had a retrospective review of this film from 1997. This is actually uh, when the 25th anniversary edition of the film was uh, released. And I think that's what the uh, version that both uh, Matthew and I saw. I. Uh, it's actually a really good review from Ebert, and I'm going to read the first part of it because uh, it's a pretty rip-roaring bit of writing. He says, uh, John Waters' Pink F- Flamingos has been restored for its 25th anniversary, and with any luck at all, that means I won't have to see it again for another 25 yeah. years. <laughs> Amen to that, brother. <laughs> he says, how do you remove, review a movie like this? I am reminded of an interview I once did with a man who ran a carnival sideshow. His star was a geek who bit off the heads of live chickens and drank their blood. Uh, he is the best geek in the business, this man assured me. What is the difference between a good geek and a bad geek, I asked. You want to examine the chickens? <laughs> I'm not sure. That means he really bites the head off. Other I people guess. Take it, is the idea. Yeah. And he says, Pink Flamingos was filmed with genuine geeks. And that is the appeal, appeal of the film. To those who would find that appealing. 
Uh, what seems to happen in the movie really is what is happening, and that is its redeeming quality, you might say. Um, he says it's real people, and the film gains a weird kind of documentary stature. Um, he says there is a temptation to praise the film, however grudgingly, just to show you have a strong enough stomach to take it. And this is a temptation I can resist. <laughs> I guess you're right in the sense it is sort of it does have a weird documentary nature because of the realness of it, even though it's so horribly acted. Yeah, it's, it's a bit it's, meta. It's horribly acted by real people. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like a, it's meta, I guess, in that way. He says that pink flamingo flamingos appeals to that part of our psyches in which we are horny teen- teenagers at a country fair with fresh dollar bills in our pockets and a desire to seek, see the geek show with a bunch of buddies so we can brag about it the next day in school. And I think that's just sort of right. Sort of like, wasn't there an old like sick and twisted animation festival before the internet really took off? What was it called? Like Mike and Jim's? Yeah. I, I never saw that, but they had, uh, I think that's some of like um, the early Beavis and Butthead stuff in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, he says that John Waters is a charming man, and he goes on to praise his later films, such as Polyester and Hairspray, which I haven't seen either of those. And he says that, in a way, these early films, because their budget was so small, that he used shock as a way to attract audiences. And he understands that it's a way, when you're trying to get a career started, he says, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I guess it's one way. Yeah. Uh, Sort of like making a sex tape. Well, yeah, but that's the it's the the whole I guess paradox of fame, right? Uh, porn stars never become mainstream actors. Ah, they don't, but they still can become famous and still make a lot of money. Look at Kim Kardashian. Uh, true, but John Waters. I mean, if he was putting out this film, obviously he did more mainstream stuff, like Ebert mentioned. Yeah, I mean, that, it worked uh, for him, right? You say it doesn't ever yeah. work. It does work sometimes. Yeah, I guess it just seems like a very risky way to get somewhere. As you start out with shock, and then you begin to move into the mainstream after that. And I guess maybe it's worked for some musicians. Uh, I don't know what other director this might have worked for. Uh, I just kind of thought of the you know porno actor uh, analog, where people get into porn thinking that they're well. At least I'm on camera. You know, at least I got. At least I'm on camera, and then. Uh, are shocked and amazed that uh, mainstream Hollywood wants nothing to do with you afterward. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of handful of, of porno actors who tried that and failed miserably and never got anywhere. The most uh, successful actors who want to transition to something, another career, transition to producers, in which some of them have quite a bit of luck at. Yeah. Producers of pornography. So I guess you know he uh, that that John Waters. But this movie succeeded. isn't pornographic. It's just sort of no. obscene. Yeah, it's obscene. I guess obscene is is a, a word I don't throw around lightly because. Uh, Which is fine. Uh, I'm, I have me. no problem with obscene yeah, stuff. I, I mean, it's hard. I mean, for me to get technically it. obscenity is illegal, but that's sort of a holdover uh, from earlier days. No, I think well, and they they throw it out every ridiculous. once in a while. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, he sums it up, I think, in really well in this review is that I am not giving a star rating to pink flamingos because stars simply seem not to apply. It should be (laughs) considered not as a film, but as perhaps an object. I really like that. This is more of a thing to see. It's you're right. It's 
I don't know what I guess it, film is its media, but it's just sort of a it's, <laughs> it's just not, sort of a site. Well, okay, it, it, for starters, it's unpretentious. It doesn't ask of you to uh, give it any kind of credibility mm. at all. It doesn't. It doesn't say compare that. me. To, doesn't say compare me to something, or how do you, what do you think of me, or do you like me? It, it has no care in the world about that. And as such, you're right. It's it's just a thing. Or Ebert's right. It's just a thing. It's not a not really a film in the way that you would think of a film. You know. So. Yeah, it's certainly something. So, a uh, bigger question. Why the fuck is this movie called Pink Flamingos? I know there's some flamingos in the opening shot. <laughs> is that it? Is there some sort of uh, analogy meaning? or reference or uh, something in the in the gay community of the early 70s that mm. uh, they referred to people as pink flamingos if they were of a certain class? I, I don't know. I, I don't I think you should be looking that, that deep. I think I'll give you your own advice right back to you. I was trying to I was thinking if that was sort of the whole uh you know the metaphor of the movie that I was missing or something like that. And I was like, you know, pink flamingo, they're kind of tasteless, gaudy things that people put in their front yards as decorations but are fake and I don't know. I was looking for something. Didn't you know. can look uh, you can go down that road, but I think you're gonna find somewhere. it's a you're gonna find it's a cul de sac. <laughs> It's really not where I want to be spending my my mm. time, I'm sure. So, all right. Well, uh, I don't know if we've got anything. I think I think that, I think that is flamingos. the biggest. That's the biggest dick pick I've had so far. The biggest terrible movie that I picked out of the uh, all my weird movies. This one's been the hardest one to. Well, you know, it was weird because I, I popped it up on IMDb uh-huh. and it said people who liked Pink Flamingos liked uh, Dead Alive. I really uh, like Dead Alive a lot. And you didn't really like it Peter all that Jackson. much. No, but uh, it, 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 I was I was finding that interesting, a, a, an interesting uh, hmm. insight into Mark Hudson. Uh, I know you didn't like Pink Flamingos, but no. you did you did pick a John Waters movie, even though I picked Pink Flamingos as the movie. Yeah. Uh, but I was thinking, ah, what's with Mark? And and does, is there a little bit of? I mean, you obviously, I think you got you enjoyed this movie more than I did. I think so. I want to see some. Some out there shit every once in a while. I think it's good for your soul to get kicked, you know, in the kidneys every once in a while. So you really like Dead Alive, which... I I found that really funny. That's why I really liked it. It was so irreverent. Well, and and so is Pink Flamingos. And and maybe you like irreverence or you appreciate irreverence more than I do. I mean, I appreciate the, uh, the, I guess, the statement or... Uh, kind of the in-your-face nature of of that kind of filmmaking, but it just doesn't. It's just not where I want to be spending my time. I guess maybe that's the best. No, uh, I don't think I want to spend a lot of time there. But every once in a while, I like going down a dark, dirty alley, <laughs> getting a ten-dollar blowjob from a crack whore. You know? Yeah. See, I'm, just like everybody else. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm too prudish. I think I'm too prudish. I, I think that uh, I write off uh, a lot of. Uh, I guess things like this uh, that I I dismiss as not worth my time, or I'm not going to get anything out of it in the end, or I'm not going to be able to uh, uh, build any creative endeavor 
it's not going to enrich any creative endeavor that I might uh, sojourn on. If that's and that's sort of a mouthful, but you know, like I always because I'm a writer, I always think of you know i always kind of pick things i like from from films or books or mm-hmm. art and i kind of pull it into my uh i guess my chest and pull out when i'm looking for ideas to mine things uh for creative purposes and movies like this i just there's nothing here for me i can't there's nothing i could use uh i would go through this whole chest of grossness and obscenity and i'm like i got nothing i can't use anything out of this this whole thing that would possibly help me in a creative endeavor so that's kind of why i dismiss it you sure, and, i mean sure you couldn't take something out of this to sort of add some color to an evil character that maybe was looking a little bland I mean, i've had like cross-dressing evil characters in my novels uh but it's always been a little bit it's been the crux of the whole character motive it's, it hasn't been – it's sort of a window dressing. I wouldn't say it uh, – you know, I guess I could I could use some of the visuals of Divine to build a cross-dressing character, but it wouldn't be the cross-dressing character I'd put in a movie or put in a novel. So yeah, I, I found the marbles to be the most interesting characters. I just I liked how they each had different colored hair. I thought I, thought, I saw that scene where they were sucking on each other's toes, and uh, Miss Marbles was wearing Mister Marbles' underpants, and Mister Marble was wearing uh, Mrs. Marbles' uh, panties. I, I found that really just... visually appealing shot. I found that I found that really a satisfying, probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah, they're sort of this duo. They're sort of a tandem pair that are evil. It's really, I, I thought it was an interesting flavor to the film. So I, I guess uh, to your point, I, I could find maybe something, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't definitely be anything uh, significant, and it would be extremely, uh, it would be specific that I would have to use something from a John Waters movie to enrich something I would yeah. do creatively. But uh, for the most part, nothing. Yeah. I got, I got, Pink I got Flamingos is just something you saw. Yeah, that's right. People say, hey, did you ever see uh, John Waters' Pink Flamingos? I'm saying, uh, yeah. Yep. And then I would leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. Which in, in its own way is sort of satisfying, as Ebert says. I saw it. I got. I, I, I made it through it. I know. Yeah, it's like when people uh, endeavor to read difficult classic novels Mm -hmm. that you really need, I don't know, uh, almost a a classroom environment to get anything out of. It's the reason I don't read a lot of classics because I'm just like – the language for starters is is too antiquated for me to really plow through it and uh, stumbles – trips me up in getting to the point. Um, But a lot of people like, you know – Oh, I'm going to go read uh, Gravity's Rainbow. And I'm like, good luck with that, man. I don't know what you're going to get out of it, but, uh, you know, uh, get an A for effort. Uh, some people just like to say that they did something. Like, oh, I read Finnegan's Wake. I, I've run into people who said that they've read, read Finnegan's Wake, mm. and i just like, did you now? You know, and I can't ask them about it because there's nothing to ask anybody about Finnegan's Wake. Yeah. But they're they're adamant they read James Joyce's Finnegan's Wake, and I'm like, did you really? You sure you didn't read Ulysses? You, it was Finnegan's Wake, and they're like, yeah, Finnegan's Wake. And I'm like, I, I guess you just wanted to say you did it. I don't yeah. know why I mean, the fuck sort of, you would read yeah, that fucking just, novel. Yeah, when somebody asks you if you read it, you say, yep. Yeah, but see, that's just a waste of time. Really, it's sort of a personal challenge. It. It's just the the. I mean, it's sort of. 
I mean, some people just like to challenge themselves, go through something that's tough. Well, not that watching well, this gross movies that all that tough. No, not I'm, I'm. I'm. I guess using more of a literary uh, benchmark or milestone that people like to say that they've done. They've like. Well, to, that takes some effort, does it not? I let. I read War and Peace. Through. Oh yeah, yeah, it takes a ton of effort. But I've yeah. read extremely difficult. I wouldn't say novels, but parts of novels. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I, I've read three pages. I don't even know what the fuck's going on. There's just no point. I, I guess I could camp out on a paragraph and read it over and over again and dissect it and, you know, kind of do a literary analysis of it. But fuck, man, that's just not worth my time. I, I don't have that much time in the world. Uh, so, you know, especially if you're by yourself reading something like that. And so to say you did something, I guess you can say from a kind of an art literary media perspective always just seems really bizarre to me it's like why would you like oh i saw battleship potemkin i was like why the fuck did you waste your time doing that did you really get anything out of it i don't know so i mean you can make the same argument about all things that are hard to do but are of questionable value like climbing up the top of mount everest why exactly yeah no that's different i mean that's 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 not really so much different in my book well i i I I understand the original uh explorer's reason but now, what is the point? To do it now, it's, what is the point? It's just well, to challenge yourself, to make yourself go through hardship for no real gain. Well, okay, maybe. But I, I, I don't know if they're exactly analogous. I just see it kind of as, as, as uh, if you're not really getting anything out of it, then why say, why bother? So I guess from that perspective, Pink Flamingos is well, my I think James Joyce. Finnegan's maybe other people, I, I, people get, maybe other different people get, can get something out of it. Uh, maybe. The smarter people than me. I yeah, guess I'm dismissive. People. Yeah. All right. So uh, on to next week's movie. Uh, we're going to be doing a Danny Boyle film, Train Spotting. Oh, no, I haven't uh, seen that in a long time. That sounds good. Which came out in, fuck, what was it, 95, 96? Somewhere around there? Uh, mid-90s. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if the, the – I, I remember really enjoying the soundtrack. So I, I – I, I'm wondering if it was more of a cultural zeitgeist film. Hmm. It'll be interesting to uh, look at it some almost 20, 20 years? Damn near I, 20 years I, later. I have a feeling yeah. it's going to hold up. Plus, Boyle's a talented so. director. Okay. And he has yeah. been all the way from the get-go. Yeah. Well, it has some striking visuals. I guess that's one thing about train spotting that uh, is is definitely sticks in your head is yeah. some of the visuals. So uh, until next week... You can eat shit. <laughs>